0: Fears and doubts, they can all come to because they.
1: we on, told choldong, peace for remember where i is she
2: Welcome to Sunday Morning Online. Uh, Northview, good morning. Anybody else joining us from the interwebs, it's awesome to have you with us. We're going to start this morning by simply focusing on the faithfulness and goodness of God. So I invite you right where you are, just bring something to mind uh, that you remember... uh, That God has revealed himself as faithful in your life or as good in your life, even if it's just that he has given us salvation, not even just, but the fact that he has given us salvation, right? So bring something to mind that shows God's faithfulness as we start this morning, and we're just going to bless him as we proclaim him as good and faithful. So church, right where you are, as you're able, you're welcome to stand with us, but join us as we proclaim God's faithfulness this morning.
3: Sought the Lord, and he answered me.
2: truly good. You are truly faithful. You are forever steadfast. And Lord, we just give you thanks and praise for that this morning. We ask you anoint and dedicate the rest of the service to you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.
4: Hello, everyone. My name's Rob and I am on staff here at Northview. We know there are a lot of questions about what is happening as far as the church building physically reopening and what summer programs are happening. So we wanted to provide you with an update. So hopefully answer those questions that you may have. First, on behalf of the team at Northview, I want to say a big thank you to all of you. Thank you for your patience and understanding during this season. It is not the spring and summer any of us hoped or even planned for, but nonetheless, it is the one in which we found ourselves. We have greatly appreciated your patience as we have worked out being online, something new for our church and new for many of our ministries as nearly everything has had to shift to the online platform. I know many of us are tired of being online, but we're also thankful as it's allowed us time and opportunities to connect these past few months. We also appreciate your patience as we've been working hard to navigate the guidelines and parameters surrounding the possibility of reopening the building and meeting physically for Sunday services and other events. This is new ground for all of us, and we want to make sure we are following recommendations while seeking to keep our Northview family as safe and healthy as possible. Believe me, we all miss meeting in person just as much as you do. Also, thank you for your support and generosity. Not only have we been able to pay off the loan for building out our building, but many of you have given to our relief fund and family care fund, partnering with us to help us serve, bless, and provide for families and ministries throughout our region. You, as a body, have shown great faith during a difficult season. As a staff and elder board, we know there are many different thoughts, opinions about when and how we should reopen the building and what ministry should look like this summer and heading into the fall. We have been gathering feedback, exploring current guidelines, and checking to see what adjustments to our infrastructure and operations we need to make in order to safely reopen. Through all this, we have been able to start streaming services, but the next step is setting up equipment to allow us to live stream to allow those of you who are wanting to stay physically distant to still be connected on Sundays. We're also having to adjust some of our Sunday operations and room usage, all of which is important, but none of which is as easy as simply turning on the lights and opening the doors. Again, your patience, understanding, and assistance during this time have been and will continue to be extremely helpful and welcomed. All of that being said, We have decided on a reopening date of Sunday, July 26th to be back together in this building as well as shift to live streaming during our services. Things will look a little bit different for a bit as we adjust to being back. But we believe this timeline provides the team enough time to set up the needed technology and build the proper and needed procedures, including cleaning teams, adjusting greeting measures and more. We will have all sorts of information available to you in the coming weeks so you know what to expect when we are back. But we hope you mark your calendars for July 26th and join us as we celebrate in bringing the body of Christ at Northview physically together once again. Please continue to stay connected online. Sunday services for now will continue at 10 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook. Youth, kids, and other ministries are exploring updated events and ministry opportunities for the summer. Stay connected. Thank you again for your patience and understanding during this time. We miss all of you and look forward to gathering together once again when we are open and when you feel comfortable to join us. Be blessed until then, reach out with any questions, and we'll see you soon.
5: Thank you, worship team. We deeply appreciate how you lead us in worship and hope you had a good time in your homes worshiping together. Uh, Good morning, Northview family. How are you doing? And uh, excited to again to share together even though we can't be together. We know that uh, the Holy Spirit can connect us so we'll lean on that this morning. Uh, if you're new or v- for visiting us for the very first time, we're in a series called Truth Versus Lies and it's a series based out of the Psalms and we have been countering uh, two prominent uh, lies that exist in our culture today and one is that God is not all-powerful. And the second one is that God is not all good. We see that the psalmist, and we saw this in, uh, and by the way, you can go to our website, you can download messages and catch up if you want to see what we've covered before. But we've seen that the psalmist counter this idea quite boldly. And the psalms extol God's power and his goodness, and this just kind of radiates from the psalms. And yet, the accusation still persists. Come on, God can't be that straight up. He can't be that pure in his motivations. He's got to be crooked in his purposes somewhere. The thinking kind of goes, you know, he he must have some twists or kinks in his uh, motivations and attitudes, just like we all do. But there's another attribute. uh, An attribute is simply a character quality that radiates from the Psalms. And this week, we're going to take a look at the idea of His goodness and just take it one step further. This week, we're going to look at God's holiness as seen through the Psalms. Let's just start. I want to give a couple qualifiers before we begin the message. First, as I've gotten older and I look back at my life, I realize that holiness is a much bigger issue than I gave it credit for. Not that I wasn't serious about it before. But with a lot more life experience, I'm now starting to catch a glimpse of how big the difference between God and us really is. And I have to tell you, it's frightening in its scope. Secondly, following on the heels of that, I now realize two things much more clearly than I did when I was young. Number one, God is holy. Number two, we are not, even even at our best. Number three, holiness uh, is an essential ingredient and having a relationship with God. Hebrews 12:13 says strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without without which no one will see the Lord. So it's an a very important quality in our relationship with the Lord. We're going to talk some more about this later in the message. And number 4, holiness is really out of vogue in our culture. The high school students, I know you're watching and I know you're sitting there and often I'm speaking to your parents, but uh, speaking to you right now, when was the last time, if you think through all your friends that you've encountered in high school, when was the last time when talking to your friends about their goals, have you heard someone say, you know what? My goal this year is to pursue holiness. Even among your Christian friends, probably never, right? Right? It's completely missing off of most of our radar screens despite how important it is, and I would include myself in that as well. So with that in mind, let's pray this morning and we'll take a look at God's holiness together. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, uh, I pray this morning because I recognize the gap between you and myself is huge, especially in this quality of holiness. And I recognize without the saving Sanctifying supernatural work of what Jesus did on the cross, we would have no access to you at all. You'd be utterly disqualified and yet, because of your gracious um, sacrifice your your gracious heart towards us, you covered a debt that we couldn't pay, and therefore we can stand and um pray to you this morning and Lord, I want to pray that you would just make this topic self-evident, that by your Holy Spirit, you would light it up, that you would connect pieces for people. You might lead them to other scriptures, other parts of the Bible that they know about, that you've talked to them before, and that you would get us thinking on this topic of holiness. Obviously, we will barely scratch the surface in a 35-minute a, a message like this, but we can get started, and we pray this morning that it'll be a good start. So we give that to you with great hope and ask this in your name. Amen. All right, well, let's just start with a brief survey on what the Bible has to say about holiness so we can kind of get warmed up and acclimated to it. We find this expression in the book of Exodus. It says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders? In 1 Samuel 2, it points out the exclusive holiness of, of the Lord himself. It says this, There's none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. One of the greatest pictures of God's holiness is found in Isaiah in one of the divine council scenes that we've been talking about. Uh, The heavens are pulled back and Isaiah sees God, and it reads like this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. And each had six wings two, they covered their face, two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah's response when he saw this, and remember, he's one of the greatest prophets of the Lord. All right? His response was to come emotionally unglued. He literally fell apart right there. It says, woe is me. And that's not like, oh, woe is me. That was like, woe is me, woe, right? I am lost, I, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What can we pull from this? Well, stop and just think who Isaiah was. Number one, he was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Number two, he was used to the Lord speaking to him as evidenced in the previous five chapters. If you go to the book of Isaiah and look, you will see that uh, God had talked through Isaiah in really significant ways before chapter six. But number three, notice that when the veil's torn away and when Isaiah sees the throne room and God's holiness for what it really was, what it really is, he was aghast. What distinctly stands out for me is the realization of how unclean he was compared to the holy God that he was gazing at because this is Isaiah, right? This is someone we would lift up in very high esteem uh, in the biblical pantheon of characters. Particularly notice the issue of unclean lips. In other words, what caught him, our language, how we talk. James 3 in the New Testament is a whole chapter on the need for us to be holy with our mouth, with our tongues. And Isaiah's instant assessment is what? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, my mouth is polluted, and so are the mouths of my countrymen. And I want to say this morning, is that not an accurate indictment of us and our country right now. We are a polluted people. Just listen to the rhetoric on Facebook if you're not convinced of that. God's holiness literally smashed Isaiah. Fortunately, God strengthened him. I'll have more to say on this in just a minute, but let's continue on. First Chronicles gives us a description of God's holiness. It says this, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Notice in this passage that God's glory and his strength are wrapped around his holiness. The chronicler tells us that God's holiness is resplendent. Uh, A good way to interpret interpret this would be Uh, blazingly glorious and wonderful. Uh, Another way would be absolutely astonishing in its radiance or brilliant beyond belief. Transparent and reflective light would be another way you could put it. This highlights God's totally pure nature and his character. James tells us he is the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Ezekiel Uh, takes us farther in this journey when we look at God's holiness. And he says this in chapter 28. Thus says the Lord God, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they shall dwell in their own land that I gave to my servant Jacob. This is talking about God's manifest presence. In other words, What happens when God manifests His presence? And what we find is that where God's presence is, right, what's manifested? Holiness. He says He will manifest His holiness. And by the way, one of the true markers, we've been talking and praying for a revival in this area. One of the true markers of a real revival is holiness. God here is talking about the revival that He's going to bring about with Israel. But if we were to have one, it would be marked by a massive instinctive move away from sin. You, I, wouldn't have to tell anyone to move away from sin because it would become self-apparent. It would be self-evident. People respond very differently when God is illuminating their situation, when they can see their life through God's eyes. Remember the stories of when God showed up uh, in the Bible, how how did people react? Well, let's let's take Moses, right? What did he say to Moses? Take off your sandals. Why? Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. What was Moses seeing? He was seeing this flaming bush on fire without the bush burning up. Joshua kneels before the commander of the Lord's army when he realizes who he's talking to. And again, why? Because the commander of the Lord army tells him that this is holy ground, both of these uh, situations reflect the concept of uh, cosmic geography that's pointed out in the book Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael Heiser, where God manifests Himself becomes holy ground. Samson's parents. Uh, What did they cry out when they realized it was the angel of the Lord talking to them? It says, they fell on their faces to the ground and Samson's father cries out, we shall surely die for we have seen the Lord. Daniel, as righteous and a holy a man as there is in the Bible, falls faint and can hardly breathe. And and how about the apostle John? You know, Jesus' best best friend, his bud, who laid against his chest at the last supper and took care of Jesus' mother, Mary, the rest of her life. How did he respond when he saw the resurrected Christ? It says that Jesus' resurrected holiness was so powerful that he passed out like a dead man. And it should be noted that it is when God, that these situations I'm talking about here, this is when God is being kind and merciful, all right? So you can only imagine what happens when he manifests his holiness in judgment and he comes back in the second coming. God underlines this whole point later in Ezekiel. It was not uh, Israel's righteousness that would win the day. Just like it's not our righteousness that'll bring about salvation for us or others. We've failed just like Israel did. What does God say? He says this. Again, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 36. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, (coughs) excuse me, Vindicate, his name, means that he will clear his holy name of blame or suspicion. By their actions, in other words, what this is telling us is by their actions and words, they have polluted and sullied God's name and reputation among the nation. And and this would be true of us today as well. If God were to be so kind as to grant us a revival, it would not be because of of our great righteousness. And it would not be because we're more righteous than the people around us. We have profaned his great name. We have often chosen sin instead of holiness. And so we have done that just like Israel did. And it would, if he did it, it would be because he's going to vindicate the holiness of his great name that that, a revival, would come about. Now, there is something we can do, though. We can help pave the way for that. How? How? by submission, by prayer, by repentance. In other words, we can begin to initiate the process of what happens during a revival by seeding it. In other words, getting it started even before it gets started uh, so that when it starts, it already has momentum. Uh, That's what we talked about with this whole capital campaign Uh, move the mountain remember when we talked about uh, that we want to cooperate with god to speed ahead the gospel yes we knew god would pay the loan off but what if we were sacrificial what if we were sacrificially generous which by the way Norfew, spectacular and and amazing stuff i I can't tell you how odd i am by the whole thing but we 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 did that so that the gospel could speed ahead Uh, this moment in the history of our country begs, I mean literally begs for people to understand this and turn back towards God. God goes on with the description because he's not done yet and he says this, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. They would not, uh, they would again, not just be the chosen people, but they again would be a holy people but it would be because of God's manifest work in them as a nation. Notice that those that God chooses to be close to him, he also wishes for them to be holy like him. Doesn't that sound like something we need in our country right now? That God would remove the heart of stone in our nation and replace it with a heart of flesh that would be empowered by his Holy Spirit? And by the way, while we're talking about this, let's not miss the most obvious tell in the whole Bible. The formal and most descriptive name for the spirit of God is the what? That's right. The Holy Spirit. That it's what's called a signature imprint. In other words, the clearest and the most accurate description of the Holy Spirit is what? That he is holy, just like the Father. So maybe this would be a good time to ask the question, what is holiness? So I went to Unger's Bible Dictionary, looked it up, and here's what it says. It says holiness is one of the essential attributes of the divine nature. It is on one hand entire freedom from moral evil and upon the other absolute moral perfection. This means that God is absolutely pure. It also means he's whole. In other words, what the Bible's trying to tell us is that God in his person is the most balanced, he's the most sane, thoughtful, wise, pure personality in the universe. And that's why God says we can trust him. And there's an essential difference between God and us. It goes on to say this, by holiness of God, it is not implied, this is more formal language, so hang in here, By the holiness of God, it is not implied that he is subject to some moral or standard of moral excellence external to himself, (coughs) but that all moral law and perfection have their eternal and unchangeable basis in his own nature. In other words, everything we know about morality, everything we know about righteousness, everything we know about being good comes from God. Why do we do good? Because God is good. Why don't we lie? Because God doesn't lie. Why don't we steal? Because God doesn't steal. In other words, the moral law is not something that God measures up to and then does it perfectly in terms of a performance. That's kind of how we think about it. The moral law is perfect because it emanates from God's own character. The moral law is perfect because God is perfect. Now, obviously, on this planet, and with the result of sin, that has gone through incredible corruption. But God's character is, in the deepest sense, the source for the moral law. So we have countered the lie that God is not all-powerful. We've also countered the lie that God's not all-good. And the Scriptures double down on this by exalting not only God's goodness, but also His holiness. So we see that also God the Father is holy, right? And then we've also looked just here that the Holy Spirit is holy, and the question begs itself, well, what about Jesus? What does the New Testament say about him regarding holiness? In Romans 1, Paul says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, so Paul is writing this after the resurrection, and Paul is writing this after he's encountered the resurrected Christ. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures in other words Paul could now look back at the scriptures and see how it, what had once been difficult to discern he now could see right hindsight's perfect and so he could see the footprints it says which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son that's the lord jesus who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared, now look at this, what was he declared? He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. You know, when you think about it, those who have taken time, and often many will be challenged to to read through the Bible, and they start reading through the New Testament, and they come upon the resurrection, and um, the resurrection still galvanizes and grabs people's attention even to this day. Because, why? Well, because there's something extraordinarily holy about it. Notice how the spirit of holiness is attached to this. And so there's something that grabs people when they they watch that, when they read that. So we see that the Father's holy, we see that the Son is holy, and that we see that the Spirit is holy. What does that mean for us? What is that telegraphing? Well, what it's telegraphing, that if God is holy, we should be holy also. 2 Corinthians says this in chapter 7, since we have these promises, the promises of eternal life, the promises of the forgiveness of our sin, the promise that God will give us grace and that He will save us if we cry out to Him, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to what? Completion in the fear of God. Goes on in Ephesians and adds to Isaiah that we should be renewed in the spirit of our minds. You can also find this in the book of Romans, chapter 12, right? We should be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self, that is the gift of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life before the Lord, created after the likeness of God in what? True righteousness and holiness. First Thessalonians 3 says this, Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts here it's a heart issue right he may establish your hearts what blameless in blameless in holiness before our god and father at the coming of our lord jesus with all his saints And then 1 Thessalonians goes on to say, Thessalonians has a lot to say about holiness. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And notice that in some places Paul will say, uh, this is my opinion. Uh, I think I have the Lord's mind, but this is coming from me. In other places, this comes directly from the Lord Jesus himself. Here it says these instructions came through the Lord Jesus. So these are coming directly from the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Right? We think, oh, what's God's will? Oh, I just wish I knew God's will. Well, here Paul says here. Here's God's will. He says your sanctification, and that's a, a big word that we use a lot of times. We don't really know what it means half the time. But sanctification means something that is set apart for a special use or a special purpose. So, for example, in your homes today you probably have some Rubbermaid garbage cans, right? Uh, You go to Walmart or Target or wherever, Fred's, and you pick up a Rubbermaid garbage can for seven or eight bucks and you take it home and you throw the garbage in it and you take it out and you dump it out and kick it back down the hallway. And, you know, if you break it, you just go buy another Rubbermaid garbage can. Um, But you probably also in your home, uh, kids, probably if you look in the cupboard, mom's got some really nice dishes or maybe even some fine china, right? That was part of a a wedding present when your mom and dad got married. Now, if you take that piece of fine china, do you kick that down the hallway? No, right? Why? Because it would break, right? So when you're looking at those two pieces, you have a rubber-made garbage can and a fine piece of china. Uh, If you ask yourself, which one is tougher Well, it would be the rubber-made garbage can. But if you ask which one is more valuable, it would be the fine piece of china. And by its very nature, you do not treat a piece of fine china like you would a rubber-made garbage can because it's set apart for a special use. Likewise, God here is talking about your sanctification, our bodies, handling our bodies in a holy way, says that you would abstain from sexual immorality sexual immorality uh, has to be defined today because we don't know what it is but basically there are two big pegs Um, if you're talking about sexual immorality there's two big pegs everything hangs off of first one is called uh, fornication and fornication is having sex before you're married the Bible says don't do that And the second one is adultery adultery is having sex with someone who's not your marriage partner and off of it all the other stuff we know in our culture is is hung on those two pigs. So it says this is the will of God. This is his heart. This is what he wishes for you. Your sanctification I know, is being set apart for him that you abstain from sexual immorality and that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor. Teenagers uh You will be mocked at if you do this, and yet you will be honored by God if you do. And the scriptures say God honors those who honor him. And so I want to encourage you to honor God with your body and to treat it right. It goes on in 1 Thessalonians, it says, For God has not called us to impurity, but what has he called us to? Holiness. If you think about all the things out there today that are impure, it's staggering um, what levels of temptation there are compared to years ago. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Let's come back to the Psalms. The Psalms highlight all of this. Psalm 29 parallels what we saw in First Chronicles. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We've seen that. This is a reiteration. If you go on and read the rest of the Psalm, though, it extols God's greatness. Ascribe means to attribute to or to accredit to. Splendor is the reflection of God's glory, that it is astonishing. Another word, way it could be worded is the beauty of His holiness. Right? And here's why this is important. When God makes a covenant with someone, He makes it through His holiness. Psalm 89 says this, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my, and what does he swear by? He swears, God swears by himself, by his holiness. I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. And like the moon, it shall be established forever. A faithful witness in the skies. And then there's that word Selah again. Think about it. You know, David is going to have a man on the throne forever because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has forever sealed David's throne through that death and resurrection. Jesus now leads us, and what does he lead us in? Holiness. And this is what we call, uh, biblically, the process of sanctification. And we don't have time to go into it this morning, but that's the process where I choose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and become holy. By the way, many of you volunteered for this adventure willingly. Do you know how you did that? It's called marriage marriage is designed by god to root out our selfishness and our self-centeredness and it's designed by god to make us holy see most of us get into marriage because we think it'll make us happy we did not think about what it would take to become holy and god says well i'll help you out i'll i'll give you what you ask for and then you'll learn to become like me so a question this morning is how are you doing in that process and in case you're wondering, holiness isn't optional. Let's, up, let's wrap this up with Peter's admonishment. It says this, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a what? A holy name. He's Talking to the church here. This is us. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into what? His marvelous light called you into his holiness. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. His holiness is just one of the excellent attributes of God's character and his nature. Now, next week we're going to come back and we're going to look at another aspect of God's nature which dovetails uh, perfectly with this and it's his steadfast love. The Psalms have more to say and actually the Bible says more about this than almost any other topic and so we're going to take a look at that next week. We hope you'll come back. Hope you'll join us. But let's pray this morning. Father, this morning it's entirely possible that as somebody was pricked, their conscience was activated. Or I'm sorry, I said that wrong, Father. As, as they were listening, their conscience was pricked. And, and the, their soul was activated. And they thought of something that wasn't right between you and them. Father, I want to pray for that moment right there that if that really happened, that you would talk to them and have a conversation about how they could change that and how they could cooperate with you. How they could move away from the flesh and move towards the Spirit. How they could walk away from profaning your name and move towards holiness. And Lord, there's not one of us that can't be in that conversation and there's not one of us that shouldn't be in that conversation. So we lift that up to you. Would you help us be a holy church? Would you help wash us? Would you help cleanse us? Would you help purify us? Would you help wash us off from the muck and the dirt of the world that sometimes, unfortunately, we've willingly chosen instead of you? Help us repent, Lord, and help us remember that we are supposed to be like you, like the kingdom. And so we seek you for that. We ask for your favor in that. We look forward to looking into the Topic of your steadfast love next week and we ask for your favor as we go through the week. Lord, you know our country desperately needs your mercy. We need your intervention. We ask that you would be merciful to people who don't know you and that you would reach out in very unique and special ways to help us get out of the ditch that we're in. And we pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name and uh, thank you for your presence among us. Give that to you with great hope and we say this amen. All right. Well, thanks. For watching. Again, we're going to have questions and uh, prayer points, so just hang on after worship and then we'll come back to that.
1: You stood before creation, eternity in your head you spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stay You stood before my failure and carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stay. So, what could I say? And what could I do? But I So I walk upon salvation
5: Well, We're back to questions, and again, I'm so grateful. So many of you have, uh, either emailed or uh, talked to me or phoned and said, hey, we, we've just had a couple great discussions off of uh, things that have kicked up off the questions, so uh, I'm just super excited about that, and I'm really grateful. Um, and so we've got some more questions for this week, so let's take a look at them, and you can have a chance to walk through them. Number one, if you had to describe holiness, when when you think of holiness what does that mean to you how would how would you describe it all right practice try that among yourselves what what would you how would you describe holiness number two what do you think would be your reaction if you encountered the resurrected christ right there's a song uh, that we sing uh, i can only imagine right and would you stand would you kneel would you be wiped out what what would what do you think would be your reaction number three how do you think god's manifest presence would change your life or even take it on a bigger scale how do you think God's manifest presence would change the life of our country number four the name for the spirit of God is the is the Holy Spirit right we've covered that why do you think that's important why why such an emphasis on that and what does that tell you about the Holy Spirit and what does that tell you about how you should relate to him Number five, what do you think of the idea that holiness comes from who God is? In other words, God doesn't measure up to the moral law. The moral law comes from out of his heart. Um, What do you think of that idea? and, And what does that mean for you? Number six, probably this is the one you could spend the most time on. How important do you think the idea of personal holiness is? And if you think it's important, what does that look like for you? All right, so you can grab other scriptures, you can talk, you can use stories out of your life uh, and how God has already worked, but hope you have fun with that. And then for prayer points, uh, number one, let's pray for God's mercy in healing the unrest in our country. Um, Only the Spirit of God is going to turn that. Number two, let's pray for revival and for people to turn back to God in our country, right? That would just be uh, incredible and, and we need to pray that way. Number three, let's pray for God to intervene in, the, in the, uh, another slant on the other side of the coin that God would intervene in this COVID-19 plague and, and bring it to an end. Number four, pray for knowledge and wisdom for next step, for Northview and the timing that goes with that. We mentioned the incredible things that have happened with Move the Mountain and the incredible things that have happened with the general budget. And so obviously God's at work. Now the question is what and what's the timing of it? We've prayed hard before, nor few. We have to continue to pray. God, what is, what is your best? What should it look like? So join us with that. Uh, pray with us and hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week.